0: Sprite Castle, Sprite Castle, Sprite Castle, you Rob O'Hara, Sprite Castle. Hello, and welcome to Sprite Castle, the show in which I play, discuss, and review Commodore 64 games. My name is Rob Flack O'Hara, and on this episode of Sprite Castle, I will be discussing Ye Are kung fu Now, do you know how to say thank you in Mandarin Chinese? You will, after you've listened to this podcast— but before I get started with this episode's game, let's check the Daily Sun for this week's Paperboy headlines. So, welcome back to another episode of Sprite Castle. The big news at the top of the headlines here is that Sprite Castle has been added to the Amigos Retro Gaming Network. You may have heard of the Amigos podcast. It is the premier podcast about Amiga computers that hosted by boat and Aaron. And it's a fantastic podcast. I've mentioned it multiple times on this show, um, but it's more than a podcast. They have an entire podcast network and they have added uh, this show to their podcast network. So uh, I mentioned, I'll talk again in a few minutes about uh, Patreon, but if you are one of my Patreon supporters, Uh, The guys from the Amigos have graciously allowed me to add my Patreon supporters to their Discord server. They have their own Discord server set up for the Amigos Retro Gaming Network. There's all kinds of channels and stuff on there. So uh, if you support their podcast or my podcast through Patreon, either one, you will get added to uh, that network. So that is a cool thing that they have extended to me. Um, the, uh, there's a a podcast feed for the Amigos network. So you'll get all the Amigos podcasts. If you want to add that feed, uh, it is anchor.fm forward slash Amigos podcast. Now, nothing about Sprite Castle is changing. You'll still be able to get Sprite Castle, uh, either from my website, which was podcast.robohera.com or off of iTunes. Uh, so none of that has changed. This is just things, uh, in addition to that. And speaking of, in addition to that, uh, the Amigos podcast uh, also has a YouTube channel, and that is youtube.com forward slash Amigos Retro Gaming. And they have given me my own playlist there as well. So starting with this episode, you could go onto YouTube again, just search for Amigos Retro Gaming and look for the Sprite Castle playlist. And I'm going to start adding videos where I play the game that I'm reviewing this week. So if you go there, don't go there right now, uh, go there after you've listened to this episode, but you can go onto YouTube, look up the Amigos Retro Gaming channel, uh, look for the Sprite Castle playlist, and you will find a 20-minute video of me playing this week's game, which is Y R. ER Kung Fu. So lots of super fun stuff happening. I'm really excited to team up with the Amigos. I've been friends with those guys for a long time. Uh, they say that their show wouldn't have happened without Sprite Castle, but I have to counter that Sprite Castle probably wouldn't have come back if it weren't for their show. So... Uh, I, I think we have a, a mutual, uh, not just, uh, uh appreciation and maybe that, that that's the right word, but I, I do, I greatly enjoy those guys. I enjoy their company and I enjoy their podcast. So I'm very excited to, uh, have the opportunity to team up with them. Uh, on to regular Commodore 64 news. Uh, I saw a couple of different things on Twitter over the past week. Uh, one was from a new account, which is, uh, at, fix your c64 and this is uh uh, if you follow you get in those groups on twitter of commodore users you see some of the names and and uh, there's a user the gav ninja and uh, this is a business that he has started he is offering commodore 64 repairs and restorations i have not used his service yet but i know that he's been on twitter for a long time and i've seen some of the stuff he's done and uh, i hope that this becomes uh uh, a good service for people to be able to use again it was at fix your c64 commodore computers are not getting any younger which sounds strange to say but i know that when i had my commodore 64 i thought it would last forever and and over the time we've seen that they don't we have capacitor issues sometimes. We have chips that fail. There are things inside of uh, floppy drives that that fail. There could be belt. There could be alignment. There could be may need cleaning. I don't know specifically what all services he provides, but if you have a Commodore that's uh, or peripheral that's currently not working, you might uh, seek out that account and see you know, what they can do for you and let me know how it works out for you. Uh, I also saw a tweet from my friend Brandon Staggs. Uh, Brandon, I've known Brandon for a long time. He also lives here in Oklahoma. And he has a YouTube channel called Retro Ruminations. And he is starting to post some videos. He just got his... Uh, he he has a C64 Ultimate Elite, I believe. Um He's just... Uh, I think he just got a case for it. He's been posting some different things. But he posted a really cool video about how to basically configure the ultimate 64 to have stereo sound. And he's doing that, I believe with one physical SID chip and one emulated SID chip. And he goes through how to pan the different channels and and get that cool stereo sound that really enhances uh, you know, it, it adds a new dimension to old games and old music that we've been listening to some of us for, for 20 or 30 years. So uh, again, I, I always put links to this stuff in the show notes, but that was a, a great video that uh, Brandon uploads. So to, you might want to go check that out. Uh On the software side, I saw a couple of different releases over the past couple of weeks. One is uh, Dur Plus 4.0, and that is a browsing utility that's used. If you have a SD to IEC device, it's a a menu, you know, that allows you to browse through and select games. And, and there's been some updates for DIR plus 4.0. So if you have one of those devices, you might want to go update that menu and and see if that works for you. There's also a great new game called boxy moxie. And I haven't uh, got my hands on this yet. I believe right now, it's only for purchase in cartridge format. So, uh, I'll have to to do some looking around and see. I believe I saw that it was thirty five dollars for the purchase for a physical cartridge, which isn't bad, you know? I mean, that's... uh, Gosh, it's probably going to be half the price of what PlayStation 5 games are going to be listed for. Um, But uh, this is by uh, the same fellow, Antonio, that I mentioned on last episode, the guy that was behind Fix-It Felix Jr. And this is a new puzzle game for the Commodore 64. So I'm looking forward to checking out Boxy Moxie. Uh, Finally, I saw uh, a new device... Called the Sidekick sixty four. Now this is another device that uh, uses software and runs on top of a Raspberry Pi. So we're seeing more of those, right? Like we saw the the um, uh, the Pi fifteen forty one. We're seeing you know the Pi being used as as the central brain for replacement or additional peripherals for the Commodore sixty four, which is pretty cool. Uh, the Sidekick 64, like I said, runs on a Raspberry Pi. It can emulate a memory expansion device. It can emulate an uh, action replay and final cartridge, an easy flash. It can emulate up to eight SIDs. Uh, so it looks like a really cool add on. And of course, you know, just the price of a Pi is not very expensive to be able to uh, add all those to a, a physical 64. So I will add a link. Uh, there is a, a GitHub link. So if you don't want to go to the show notes, just search GitHub for Sidekick64 and you can check that out. But that looks like a uh, a really good project. Uh, if you would like to send me feedback about this episode or any other episode of Sprite Castle, you can always email me at Rob O'Hara at RobOHara.com. Contact me on Twitter at Commodore. Follow the show on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash RobCast. Catch me hanging out on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server, or leave me a voicemail on the Flack Podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. This podcast is made possible by my Patreon supporters. You can find out more about the benefits over at patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. I'd like to take just a second to thank all my current supporters on Patreon. That would be Cobra Kai, Dave Zilly, Eric Strianese, Garrett Allier, John Schaller, Matt Nicholson, Patrick Markey, Rick Reynolds, Scott Lambert, and Steve Rasmussen. So thank you guys for supporting the show. I really, really appreciate it. And those are this week's headlines, brought to you by my local paperboy who just broke up a robbery. One last customer. Now that we've covered this week's headlines, let's get to this week's snack. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Talking Snack. Well, you know, I don't really have a food that comes to mind when I think about this week's game, ER Kung Fu. Um, but when I do think of ER Kung Fu, I do think of... Asian type foods and Asian snacks. And we have this Asian market. I may have mentioned this on the show. It is a very authentic Asian market. It's not too far from us. And it's in the Asian downtown part of Oklahoma city, which sounds (laughs) like there wouldn't be one, but there's, there's several very large uh, Asian markets down there. And we went not too long ago. We've been going there for a few years now. We started going just as a novelty to get different types of ramen noodles and, and other types of noodles and and snacks and things like that. But, uh, that is where we discovered Pocky and I had never had Pocky before. Pocky is a, basically it's like a, a edible, almost like a very tiny breadstick. It's, it's almost like the, the diameter of a lollipop stick, except for probably twice as long. And then it's been dipped into essentially what's icing and they have different flavors. They have a strawberry one, which I absolutely love. They have a chocolate one. Uh, they have a couple of different ones. And, uh, this year for my birthday, which is this week, my kids, they know that I love Pocky and they went down to, uh, uh, the Asian store, and they picked me up a, like a giant box that has like 10 packs of, of Pocky. And I've been munching on those here at my desk all this week. And so I think I'm going to make that the official snack of Yard Kung Fu Pocky. So uh, if you don't have, you know, actually vintage stock, which is our, our local, um, Oh, they sell used DVDs and lots of video game stuff. And they have a used toy section um, and they actually sell Pocky there. So I think there's some maybe, uh, you know, more trendier or places that are a little bit off, maybe the beaten path that also have Pocky. So, but if you haven't tried Pocky, you should probably check it out. I, it's a, a fun little snack to have. And I definitely am going to think about ER Kung Fu as I finish this pack of Pocky right here. Ye Are Kung Fu was published for the Commodore 64 in 1985 by Imagine and based on the arcade game by Konami. It is a game for one to two players that uses joystick controls. Now, according to Moby Games, Imagine was founded in 1983 by Mark Butler and David Lawson. There's not a whole lot of information I was able to find, except for the fact that apparently they were a really big company for two years, 83 and 84, and then they went bankrupt at the end of 1984. Uh, The name Imagine was purchased by Ocean Software, who used the name Imagine for their Konami arcade conversions before phasing the label out in the late 1980s. So again, according to Moby Games, uh, for Imagine titles, there are a lot of games listed for the Commodore 64. Uh, but, but they're kind of in different groups. So the first group would be uh, just those early 1983 and 1984 games. And there aren't there many of those. There's BC Bill, Hyper Sports, and uh, uh, there's a couple others that I didn't even recognize. But you can tell when Ocean purchased the name because then they start cranking out hits. Starting with 1985 from uh, Imagine We Have, The Slugger. YR e. Kung Fu, Terra Cresta, Comet Bakery, Magmax, The Legend of Cage, Russian Attack, YR e. Kung Fu Two, Alcon, Arkanoid, Renegade, Rastan, Bad Dudes, and the list goes on and on. Perhaps uh, prophetically, the last title listed is 1989's Renegade Three: The Final Chapter. <laughs> I did find an article that said that the Yar Kung Fu conversion to the Commodore 64 was began by Brian Balkin. However, he was having difficulty getting the sprites to look similar to the arcade version. And so Ocean Software moved in and replaced him as the lead programmer for the game. Now, uh, Brian does have other titles uh, listed in under his name for... Uh, NHL 95, Ken Griffey Jr. Slugfest, Micro Machines 1 and 2. The biggest title I saw that he worked on was Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. So he definitely was a skilled programmer. He must have just been having difficulty getting ER Kung Fu to, to work or look correctly uh, for some reason on the Commodore 64. But it appears Brian was pulled off the project and he was replaced by uh, a group that uh, I've found referred to as the Hit Squad. That is David Collier. Graphics by Steve Wahid and music by Martin Galway, which should be a name that any fan of the Commodore 64 should recognize. Uh, Dave Collier, listed to his credits are Rambo, First Blood Part 2. Um, gosh, I'm just scrolling through the list here. Hypersports, Year Kung Fu, of course, Terra Cresta, Green Beret, Combat School. Dragon Ninja, there's so many titles that he worked on. Steve Wahid, who did the graphics for this game, worked on Arkanoid, Bad Dudes, Contra, many, many other games. He also went on, he did graphics for 1993's Jurassic Park, and he also did the graphics for Adam's Family, Pugsley's Scavenger Hunt. So, again, a very talented group of fellows here. And then we have Martin Galway a legend in the Commodore 64 music scene. He did music for Rambo Comic Bakery. He did the music for Whizball. Uh, He is credited as releasing or publishing the first song on the Commodore 64 to use digital samples, which was in Arkanoid. He's also credited as the first person to use arpeggio music in the tune for Kong Strikes Back. Uh, He is responsible for one of my favorite Commodore 64 tunes, which is the version of uh, Who's Johnny, which is in the intro for Short Circuit. the song that appears in this game is actually a cover. I did not know this, uh, but the song that appears in year Kung Fu is a cover of a song called magnetic fields by, uh, Jean-Michael Jarre, I guess is how you say that. So, um, uh, just a super, super talented guy. And all the people that worked on this were super talented. <laughs> So in Yiyar Kung Fu, you play as Oolong, a Kung Fu fighter who wants to become a grand master in the ancient skills of Kung Fu to honor his father, who was also a Kung Fu master. The story in this game is that you must defeat 10 opponents to become the Kung Fu master. I guess there's already a game called Kung Fu master, which is why they had to call this one uh, Yiyar Kung Fu instead. And by the way, I've been wrong my entire life. I always assumed that ye are in ye are Kung Fu meant year of like it was the year of Kung Fu, but ye are actually means one, two. And so the English title of this game is technically one, two Kung Fu, <laughs> one, two Kung Fu, um, This game was released in the mid-1980s. That was obviously uh, around the same time or just after the big hit of martial arts and ninja movies that hit. So uh, there was also a repopulation of kung fu movies that were being played on UHF channels. So uh, this is in the middle of that. This game was released right after Karate Champ, and it is kind of uh, accepted that the combination of this game and Karate Champ was the foundation for modern fighting games. Now uh, karate champ is a one-on-one fighting game. You're only, you know, you're fighting against another opponent, but the other opponent looks just like you. He's just uh, a color swap. He has a different color gi on. But so karate champ was really kind of the foundation of one-on-one fighting, but the control system of using two joysticks per player did not translate to home gaming. And it, didn't translate to other arcade games. Like, it wasn't in a uh, uh, highly adopted control scheme. So this game takes that, and it's kind of the next evolution of that. You have a fighter, you fight 10 different people one at a time. Each one is a different character that has a unique set of moves or a unique weapon. And also the control scheme, one joystick and two buttons. So um, obviously the Commodore 64 only has one button, and so the controls have been modified to work on the Commodore, but... Generally speaking, it's a control system that we've seen used again and again in fighting-type games. So this is really kind of uh, where a lot of those type of things started. Now, the artwork on the box is unique. It has a fighter, which is supposed to be Oolong, I suppose, and four opponents. The opponents look like they're inspired by the people that you fight in the game, but they don't resemble the people that you fight at all. There's uh, Buchu, which is the first fighter, I assume that's who he is because he's he's leaping through the air. Then there's a kung fu fighter, I don't know who that's supposed to be. Uh, there's a guy with tonfu and a guy holding a pole, which there are enemies that that are holding those things, but they're not the same color and they don't really resemble those characters in the game, so it kind of looks like maybe the the whoever did the artwork on this was given some loose guidance and a lot of leeway. The fighter that is featured in the artwork looks exactly like Bruce Lee. And so, uh, that is a theme throughout this game that there are a lot of ties and hints to Bruce Lee, even though obviously he's never actually named, although there's, uh, one very close reference to Bruce Lee that we'll talk about here in a few minutes. Once you fire the game up, you'll be greeted with a high-res picture. That's the title screen. It's, again, the uh, basically a, a translation of the airbrush artwork that appears on the outside box cover. I should mention this, by the way. On the front, the official spelling of this game is ye are two words and then kung fu hyphenated. Now, kung fu is not a word that's normally hyphenated, so I'm not sure why the hyphen is there, and they are not consistent about it. For example, on the front of the box, it does have kung fu hyphenated, but on the back of the box, it does not have kung fu hyphenated, and you can find it different ways, you know, in the documentation, online uh, advertisements and things like that. So it's it's definitely not consistent. Uh, but it is hyphenated on the title screen. Again, we have the Kung Fu guy kicking. Depending on which version of the game, you'll either see the Imagine logo or on the U.S. release, the Imagine logo has been removed and it says uh, Konami there. You'll see a pair of nunchucks off to the left and then there is a, a Chinese throwing star coming in from the right with some little action lines Uh, and then we have the title of the game at the bottom. Now, uh, as music plays, that screen swaps back and forth with the high score screen and the high score screen shows, uh, the, your rank, like the number, like first place, second place, whatever it shows your score. It shows what stage you got to. There are 10 stages in the game. Uh, and then your name, which it allows you to put up to 10 characters for your name, which is kind of nice. You know, there are a lot of arcade ports at home that only allow three characters for the high score. And that's kind of ridiculous. Like that's a limitation uh, for arcade games, but home computer games don't really need that limitation. So it's nice that they let you put uh, your whole name in here. And then again, we have a uh, copyright information, 85 for Konami. And it says licensed by Imagine in 1984. Pressing the fire button on the joystick at that point takes you to the menu screen. Your only choice on the menu is one or two players, and you cannot play two players against each other. It's only alternating. In fact, you both use the joystick in port two. So, uh, so there's no head to head fighting in this game. You also get a little bit of information about the scoring. If you get a perfect score, which would be like in Mortal Kombat, a flawless victory, you don't get hit at all during your bout. You get 10,000 points times whatever stage you're on. So the first level it's 10,000, second level, you know, 20,000 so on. Uh, And you get a bonus life every 20,000 points. So there are times where if you get a, a perfect game later, you know, a perfect level around later on in the game, you could get two or three free men all at one time. So it's that that's very beneficial. Uh, finally, when you do get an extra man, the game makes the sound that says Zizi. I did not know what that was my entire life, but I just read uh, online that Zizi is thank you in Mandarin. So now, you know, if you ever find yourself in China and you want to say thank you to somebody, say Zizi. Now in the arcade version of r Kung Fu, Uh, You have two buttons, one for punching and one for kicking. And the joystick without any button, it all moves you around. So you can move left, right. Jumping is a big part of this game. So you can jump diagonal, up, left, uh, you know, backwards or forwards or straight up. You can also duck down to avoid attacks. Um, But the Commodore 64 only has one fire button. And so those controls have been adapted and there are fewer attacks than there are in the arcade version but it's still you have a a pretty good uh selection of attacks and some directions without a button throw uh punches so if you um for example you know uh, diagonal up left and right makes you jump straight up makes you jump But left and right moves you toward and away an opponent but um down left is actually a leaping punch and down right is a face punch and that's without pressing a button at all And then with a button, you have all kinds of high kicks, side kicks, uh, sweeping, low kicks, and and different punches you can perform. So there are plenty of attacks available. Um, I did get this information directly from the manual. It says, uh, R Kung Fu features Oolong tried to become a grandmaster of Kung Fu in honor of his father, who died in the final match for his mastership. After a long, hard apprenticeship of Kung Fu, he has to fight 11 deadly opponents skilled in the art of Kung Fu. Use an 8-way joystick and two buttons to make Oolong use all his deadly kicks and punches. The knockout meter on the upper side of the screen shows Oolong's power. When the meter reaches zero, he is knocked out and the game is over. When the opponent's meter reaches zero, Oolong has defeated him and will go on to the next stage to fight his next opponent. Uh, this again is the arcade version. So it says 11 opponents in the Commodore 64, there's only 10 different opponents. Um, but there are two different levels I'll talk about here very shortly. Um, but then at the bottom, it says, uh, seek and attack each opponent's weak point, make Oolong jump over the opponent by leveling the joystick diagonally. Again, jumping is a big part of this game, uh, which we will talk about shortly. There are, 10 different opponents, and the first five take place all in one scene, which is called Hot Fighting History. And that location is set basically inside a cave. There's a waterfall in the background. And the graphic looks very good on the Commodore 64. Uh, it's, it's very uh, close to the arcade version. There's actually some animation in the waterfall. They did more. They put more into the background than they really had to. The second five, so fighters six through 10 take place in an area called master hand history, and it's set outside of a palace. There's no moving parts on this backdrop, so it's not quite as impressive as the first one, but it still looks very good. Now again, uh, you play as Oolong and the 10 opponents that you will face are Buchu, Star, Nuncha, Pole, Chain, Club, Fan, Sword... Tonfoon and blues. And each one of these obviously are named after the weapon that they're going to be coming after you. So Nuncha uh, or Nuncha, however you want to say it, uh, has nunchucks, pole, has a pole, chain, swings a chain, and so on. Uh, the enemy that is dropped from the Commodore 64 is a enemy called Fetal. And Fetal in the arcade version is a bunch of clones that look identical that come from the left-hand and right-hand side, and it's very easy to defeat. It's, it shouldn't. I mean, it's, it's almost like a bonus stage, but I suspect the number of sprites that would have had to be on screen at the same time uh, to draw all the different Fetals is probably why they dropped it from this version. Now, one of the things that I read, and as far as I could tell, this is true, the enemy blues which is the final, uh, the boss. I mean, he's the last guy that you face is named that because that is how some Chinese people might pronounce the word Bruce. They would say blues. And so that is how this character was named. If that's true, that's really awful. (laughs) That's not a nice thing to do. And, I'm glad to say that in the Commodore 64 version, well, let me back up in the arcade version. And this is one of the things that leads credence to this story is that in the arcade version, he is not wearing blue. So there's no real reason why he would be called blues. Unless this is a true story. Now in the Commodore 64 version, He's wearing a blue outfit. And so I like that much better that he is called blues and he is wearing blues. So at least it makes sense. Um, If that, if the first story is right, you know, that's just one of those things that doesn't really age that well, you know, I mean, it might've been an inside joke in the eighties and it might've seemed funny then, but it's just not that funny anymore. In the game, you start with five lives. And like I said, you get an extra man every 20,000. So it is not uncommon to build up, you know, another five or six extra men. So you may, and in the Commodore game, I will say this, you're going to need them because this game gets pretty hard. There's some levels that are difficult. Uh, I talked about jumping. The enemies that you face will move all the way across the screen, all the way to the left, all the way to the right. And as you're jumping, they will try to move and, and, uh, uh, to intercept where you're going to land. So many of the characters, the only you can't get close to them on the ground because they have, like, for example, the guy with the pole, his reach is longer than yours, so you'll never be able to get him because he can hit you further away. But if you jump and you land very close to him, you could get in a couple of shots before he attacks you back. So that's why jumping is so important in this game. There are also uh, several... Uh, of the enemies, I'm thinking star and fan who throw things at you. Also, there's chain who swings a chain at you and you have to avoid those things by jumping as well. So, uh, jumping is really a big part of this game, um, which you jump really high and really fast. So it looks a little ridiculous when you jump around the screen just over and over, but on some of the levels, that's really the, the best way to defeat those levels. Now, there's an interesting difference between what I believe is the UK version and the US version. Maybe it's the cassette versus the disc version. I'm not sure. But, um, and the one that has the imagined title screen, you cannot hold a move. Whereas in the US version, the one that has the Konami screen, you can. So, if you are fighting an opponent, and you hold down the fire button and hold up on the joystick, you will do a flying kick, and then you will just stand there. But in the U.S. version, the version that has Konami on the screen and not Imagine, if you hold down the button and hold up on the joystick, you will just continually keep jumping around and not only do you jump around, but you jump towards your opponent. And so no matter where your opponent runs to, you can just keep jumping, doing jump kicks and not move the joystick at all. Just hold down the button and hold up and you will follow your opponent around doing jump kicks. And you can get pretty far in the game doing that, which is a real vulnerability. Like it's really um, like a almost like a cheat. So, That's the version that I was used to playing as a kid. So I was surprised recently when I played it and found out that I couldn't do that. I thought maybe it was an issue uh, with my joystick, but when I tried the other version, I found out that I could. So um, that version is definitely easier because of that particular exploit. Now, according to the manual, here are the scores that are listed. Uh, Face punch is worth 500 points. A leaping punch is a thousand. A flying kick is 2000, which is why it's so good to do that move. Uh, A rising kick is 1,500. Roundhouse kick, 500. Ankle kick, 1,500. Leg sweep, 500. Ground kick, 1,000. High kick, 1,000. And a lunge punch is 1,000. So you can see how uh, the scores, it would be very easy to get 10,000 just for defeating an enemy. And if you do it perfectly, there's another bonus right there. So it's pretty easy to start getting extra men in this game. Now, all that being said, I looked on RetroComputerScene.com for their high scores. The high score listed on this game is one, basically 1,256,000. That's a pretty amazing score. Second place is 200,000. So first place is more than a million. Then second place that, I mean, I'm not saying that it's not possible, but that is a very, very, very high score. Um, but that being said, second place was 214,000. And the other night when I played this on the YouTube channel, uh, I got 250 thousand. so I got second place <laughs> according to their high score record. so um, and and that's both I assume uh, that person and uh, myself, we both got to level 10, which means that whoever got that high score would have to roll the game six times again. I'm not saying it can't be done, but that would be pretty impressive. Now one of the things I put down here under trivia is that I played the uh, remember, version of the game Remember, is a group that releases Commodore 64 games and uh, sometimes they fix them or add patches and according to them they say several of the attacks in the game were flawed and that you could never uh, connect with them like they didn't actually work and so that's one of the things they have fixed with their release so uh, if that's the case that's a pretty big flaw in the original that some of the attacks will never connect so um, I don't I mean, I don't remember that, but I mean, I might've just assumed that I wasn't good at it as a kid. So that that's a um, uh, a very interesting uh, little piece of trivia. Now, this game was fairly positive reviewed back in the day. Commodore User gave it 100. So that's a good score. Ace also gave it 100. Pixel Heroes reviewed it in 2003 and they gave it a 90. So those are all really good scores. Now, Commodore User did give it a 73, but that was in 1989, so that was four years after. So it's, it's being compared to things that are four years newer. Uh, the one negative review that I found was A Course in Zap from 1986. They gave it a 68, and their viewer said, It is not a good game. He didn't enjoy it. The sprites are too small and puny. Basically, it was disappointing. I got to say, I disagree with that review, and so do all the other reviewers. Lemon 64 has this game at a 7.6 out of 10, and that is an average of 168 votes from visitors. So, ER Kung Fu is considered to be a really good, it's not just a good game, but an excellent port for the Commodore 64. Now, the Commodore 64 is not the only computer that ER Kung Fu was released on. It was released for the Amstrad CPC. The BBC Micro, Commodore 16, and Plus 4 got their own version. There's a version for the Electron, and there's a version for the ZX Spectrum. Uh, Later, it began appearing on Konami compilation releases. So it is uh, available on Konami Arcade Classics for the original PlayStation. And then there was another version. uh, Now, this... This is going to split off, but there's a version of the MSX release, which is different, uh, but that appears on Konami Antiques, uh, for the PlayStation and Saturn. Uh, there's also a version, um, this, I think it had a couple of different names, Konami Classic Series Arcade Hits. It was also known as Konami Arcade Collection and also Konami Arcade Classics, but those were all released for the Nintendo DS and they have that. Now, you might be saying, well, I remember playing it on the Nintendo, the original Nintendo, and that's true. However, that version of YI Ar Kung Fu is a completely different game. Uh, and so um, it's uh, there's only one location. There's five bad guys. The location is different. The character that you play is different. It's not Oolong. It's a fellow named Lee. And uh, that version was released for the MSX, the NES. It was later released for the 3DS and is available on the Wii and the Wii U. So um, Now, Konami also released one of those all-in-one joystick things. You remember when those were all the rage about 10 years ago? And um, uh, that version of yi Kung Fu, the NES version, which is different than... The one I've been talking about, which is based on the arcade. So this other port of Yar ER Kung Fu is not really a port. It's a different game with the same name, which is why it's so confusing. But, um, if you want to see that version, No Swear Gamer did a review of that on uh, YouTube. So you can look up, uh, No Swear Gamer on YouTube. Again, I'll add links to this. Um, but he, he shows that, uh, that version. Now, YR ER Kung Fu did get a sequel. Yar Kung Fu 2. Not in the arcade, but only on home computers. Uh It's very strange because it is a sequel to the year Kung Fu that appeared on the NES. It's not a sequel to the <laughs> arcade version of Yar Kung Fu. Although they did release this on the Commodore 64. So it's a sequel to a game that didn't actually appear on the C64. It's very confusing. Uh It did get decent reviews. However, I don't think it's very good at all. The physics are very strange. When you leap around, it's like you're on the moon. I don't think the graphics are very good. The sprites you can see through in the background when you pass over things. Um, I, It is unique in the fact that you move from room to room. So in that aspect, it's almost like Karotica where you have to move to find other enemies. But it's not original because Karataka already did it. So I'm not a fan of ER Kung Fu 2. If you want to play the best version, get ER Kung Fu on a Commodore 64. Now, if you want to play that version today, uh, you can get it on the Nintendo Switch. You can get it on the PlayStation 4. It's available on uh whatever the Xbox. It's on the Xbox 360. It's also available for Windows and Windows Mobile. Um I should have thrown this in when I was talking about the other version of Year Kung Fu, the one that was on Nintendo. Uh, That version was ported by uh, Opcode Games to the ColecoVision in 2005. So that is a homebrew. There's a couple other homebrew versions. There's a homebrew of that for uh, Sega Genesis. Um, But again, it's it's of that other one, and I, I just don't really care for it. There were not too many things on eBay for the Commodore version of Y R Kung Fu. There is a complete cassette on there for $13.17, and then I think shipping was about double that. There's also a version of the Commodore 16 and Plus 4 version for $11.85. And now let's get into my personal memories of Y R Kung Fu. All right, time travelers. Memories. So as I've mentioned in past podcasts, I was very lucky as a child. I grew up in a, a town with a population of, back then it was just over 20,000, and yet somehow we had multiple arcades in town. At one point, we had five or six arcades. And uh, the bowling alley and the skating rink both had e r Kung Fu. It's a very popular game. Um, the, uh, bowling alley was within walking distance of my friend's house. And so I would spend the night there. We would get quarters from his mom and walk to the bowling alley and, uh, we would go play Yiar Kung Fu. And this is my buddy, Jeff, who was into all the same things I was. He was into the ninja phase and, and that, and we love watching Kung Fu movies. And so we definitely loved, uh, playing this game. Uh, I think it's interesting looking back at this, at least at the arcade version that, Um, Karate Champ is often seen as the godfather of fighting games. However, if you play Karate Champ today, it feels very archaic. It's difficult to learn the two joystick uh, system and, and learn the controls. But if you play this version, whether it's on the Commodore or in the arcade, it's very intuitive. The control system... Uh, makes sense. And it's very similar to arcade games that we had for many years to come. So I feel like, like year Kung Fu took what karate champ did and then grew upon that a little bit. Also, this game is fast. Karate Champ is not a fast game, but this game is very fast. There's a lot of leaping around. Like I said, there are enemies flying to the left and right, and they're throwing things at you. So the speed of this game is much more comparable to, um, something like Mortal Kombat. So I, I think this, this, um, uh, definitely escalated what Karate Champ did and is kind of the stepping stone between Karate Champ and modern fighting games. Um, if there's a negative thing I have to say about this game, it is that some of the enemies do not fight fair. And the one of the first ones that you'll encounter is Pole. So the first three fighters are fairly easy to get through. I mean, if you're just starting out, you may not beat him every time, but, but eventually you will. But Pole does a thing where he can catch you with the pole and just hit you 10 times and drain all your health and kill you without you being able to move. And sometimes this happens in midair. Like you'll jump over pole, and he will just catch you in the air with his pole and hit you 10 times, and you'll die. And it's very, very frustrating. And there were many games where I played this over the past two weeks where I would go up against pole with six, seven, sometimes eight extra men, and pole would just kill me eight times. I just couldn't get past him. Now, once or twice I did by jumping around and, You know, it feels a lot like cheating where you jump around, you hit a guy, you jump away, jump around, try to hit him, jump away. Uh, It takes a long time to beat enemies that way. It's not very much fun to beat enemies that way. But sometimes that's the only way I can beat Pole. Um, The enemies that you face are not very balanced. There are some enemies that are very simple and then all of a sudden you'll hit one and pull, which is four out of ten that will just destroy you. If you get past Paul, you should be able to get to level 6 or 7 pretty easily. So, why they put such a difficult opponent that early in the game, I'm really not sure. Um, another big memory I have in this game, and this is something I don't think I've talked about on any other episode, and that is the font that is included in this game. The font in ER Kung Fu is very unique, and there were font rippers who would would rip the fonts out of games so they could be used for other things. And this font was used over and over. You saw it in demos. You saw it in demo makers, scrolls, uh, all these different things that this font was just used over and over. And it's very recognizable when you see it. And in fact, I was looking to see, because I thought it did come from this game. I don't think this game borrowed it from anything else. I think this game came up with it. And, I searched for a Yir Kung Fu font and I found YR Redux, R-E-D-U-X, which is a true type font for PCs and Macs that is this font, and I immediately installed it. So uh, I've been typing all my notes this week in uh, YR Redux. Uh, I, I, <laughs> it's very nostalgic to me to see things written in that font. I really enjoyed that. Uh, I thought that's really cool that somebody spent the time to create that font as well. Um, but yeah, when I, when I play this game, that's, uh, uh, most games, I don't think I noticed the fonts maybe, or they don't stick out, but there's definitely something memorable, uh, about that font for this game. Now, this week was my wedding anniversary. My wife and I, and our kids went on a road trip. And uh, we it was we drove through Arkansas and as we came back through Arkansas, we got to stop for uh, just a little over an hour. It's a very brief stop, but we got to stop at the Arcadia Retrocade, which is uh, one of my favorite retro arcades in the country. Uh, it is owned by a, a very dear friend of mine, Shay. And uh, Vic Sage, who you may know if you listen to other retro podcasts, works at this arcade, and, and there are several other great people that work there. And um, uh, Gary Burton helps out as an arcade technician, and John Munkus and um, Andy Pickle doesn't work there anymore. There's just so many uh, great people that are associated with the arcade, and um, uh, we only got to stop for a short while, but I got to spend some time with my daughter in the arcade and that's not something we normally do. Like my son has always kind of been my gaming uh, buddy. You know, we've always played games, but my daughter and I have not played very many arcade games, but my son brought his girlfriend and so they were kind of off on their own. And my wife was uh, not that super interested in the arcades. So that kind of left my daughter and I to to wander around. And I I showed her games. She had never seen Missile Command in the arcade. She had never, uh, I mean, she's, she's played a lot of games. She's played Dig Dug. She wanted to play Dig Dug. She wanted to play Donkey Kong. Uh, so there's been some classics like that. But uh, there's a lot of stuff she had never seen. And she has never seen Y.R. E. Kung Fu. And so they had are Kung Fu on the floor and we played it. And uh, she really, really enjoyed it. And it was interesting to see, again, going back to the controls, how intuitive. Like, she's never, she's not a fighting game person. She doesn't play fighting games. She's 15, so I'm sure most of what she's done is either, um, they used to play a lot of Wii and a lot of Rock Band. And then she kind of grew up playing um, phone games and stuff like that. Not a lot of classic arcade games, you know. But um, watching her pick up the controls and work her way through ER Kung Fu was very interesting, and she did pretty good, so I'd like to say maybe I passed uh, a little bit of the gaming DNA down to her, probably not, but <laughs> she's probably, probably just better at it than I am, but uh, it, it was kind of fun to watch it, and we had a good time playing it. For graphics, I give this game 5 out of 5 throwing stars. It looks very, very similar to the arcade game, and they did a great job recreating that on the Commodore 64. The music also gets 5 out of 5 throwing stars. It sounds very close to the arcade classic, uh, and there's a lot of different tunes here. Uh, Sound effects, again, 5 out of 5 throwing stars. You get to hear uh, all the sound effects of the weapons, of the fights. Uh, It's just a really good. Overall gameplay, I'll drop it down one point. I'm going to give you your Kung Fu four out of five throwing stars. It is a very fun game, but because some of the enemies are unbalanced, it can get a little frustrating before you get too far in the game. Again, for tuning into Sprite Castle. If you'd like to send me feedback about this episode or any episode of the show, you can email me at RoboHair at RoboHair.com, contact me on Twitter at Commodore, follow the show on Facebook at Facebook.com, robcast, or leave me a voicemail on the FLAC podcast hotline at 405 486 YDKF. Sprite Castle is available from iTunes, the Sprite Castle RSS feed at com and through the Amigos Master Podcast feed, which is anchor.fm forward slash Amigos Podcast. To hear more podcasts from me, check out You Don't Know Flat, Cactus Flax, Throwback Reviews, and Multiple Sadness. You can find links to all these shows over at podcast.robohara.com. Many of the news articles and game details for Sprite Castle come from websites such as Commodore is Awesome, the Commodore C Database, Commodore News, Lemon64, and Moby Games. Now it's time to get back to play, and we'll see you here next time on Sprite Castle. GG for listening! (laughs) Uh, There's so many languages on Sprite Castle. We had Norwegian last week, Chinese this week. Uh, It's really just Sprite Castle slash... Rosetta Stone Show.